0: has, uh, for me, been such a, a great um, uh, eye-opening series about what the gospel message can really do for us. It's not just about salvation. Uh, Jesus didn't just die on the cross and, and rise again uh, only for us to be saved and to make it to heaven, but he wanted us to live a transformed life here on earth, to have a different life, to have a brand new life here on earth. And uh, and that is that is the power of the gospel. That is the power of what he did uh, last week. What an what an incredible uh, uh, opportunity to be able to hear some of the testimonies of change and transformation, those resurrection moments that people have had for themselves and uh, for maybe uh, for them, it wasn't hearing about the resurrection of Jesus, but they still had a resurrection moment, a time where G, where God became alive for them. And I hope that you were blessed by that as much as I was to hear those, uh, those testimonies shared last week. Um, if you could just, uh, one, one more slide there. We have a QR code that'll go up to the screen, uh, that if you would like to join in on the conversation, you are welcome to do so. Uh, this, uh, this code here, uh, will allow you to, uh, uh, to send in any questions or uh, comments that you might have. And, uh, you can just join along with us as we talk through this today. And, uh, our, our topic here this morning, uh, is not just about being transformed by the gospel, but it's walking a life transformed, uh, living this life, this walking this life, uh, where we have been transformed. And I'm gonna, I'm, uh, glad again to have, uh, to have with me and, uh, our assistant pastor here, brother Josh McCongie, thankful to have him. Uh, in this conversation, and he's going to lead us into uh, really what we are discussing here this morning. So I'm going to hand it off to you here today.
1: Yeah, so today we're talking about uh, walking a transformed life. And that occurs when we learn how to walk with Jesus. Amen. But in order to walk with Jesus, we've got to align ourselves with him, right? right. Amos 3 and 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? So a random question that I have since we're going to be talking about walking today how many people are wearing shoes? I'm going to guess the majority of you are, because we're not that hillbilly of a church. <laughs> praise God. Uh, but shoes serve a purpose, right? And it's more than just to look fly or to have beautiful heels. And I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, so I'm really glad the youth are upstairs right now. But the purpose of wearing shoes is that they keep our feet protected, right? Anyone ever stub their big toe in the middle of the night? You find out how strong your Holy Ghost is when you stub your toe in the middle of the night. Amen. Amen. So spiritually, how do we protect our feet? We put on the armor of God, right? Right. right? And what I love is we've been talking about, you know, we're being transformed by the gospel. And if you go to uh, Ephesians six fifteen, it, it, and we're talking about the armor of God, it says, For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that we, we will be fully prepared. Right? So the gospel is the protection that we have for our feet. It's it's how we're we're being led when we walk. And if we're going to be walking with God, we've got to first put on that that peace that comes from the good news. We we've gotta the, the peace is gonna come from the word. It's not just the peace of knowing that God is is God, but it's it's digging into his word. That's what's giving us this protection we have. And then walking with Jesus is one thing, but it's different uh when you've allowed yourself to be transformed by the gospel, right? Because we can walk with God and we can have a relationship with God, but if we don't ever get to that transformation moment, then we're really missing out, right? We don't have that revelation of who God is and what He's capable of.
0: Right. I, I believe there's a there's a, a vast difference between being a a member of a church and being somebody who has uh, who has taken a hold of of the gospel message and li- and they're living on mission and walking a transformed life. Walking in this, uh, God, Jesus, Jesus never called us to be members yeah. of the church, right? Yep. He He brought us into the body of Christ, but he, he He said when He's when He's speaking of the body of Christ that each member of the body, each member of the body has a particular purpose. Every part of the of the body serves a purpose, and and we were never called to just come and to show up, uh, to show up to church, but but we are. We have been transformed. We've been yes. changed so that we can live out the that transformation. So we can live out in uh, the the mission of the church and the mission of what God has really called us to. Uh, which uh, it, that can only happen when we are walking mm-hmm. in this. When when we are walking in that transformed life. Um, and I, I interrupted you there. I'll, no, I'll let you fine. take it back.
1: So. Uh... There's a difference between walking with God and being transformed with God, right? And some of us are just content walking with God, but that's not God. what God has called us to do. Uh, He he called us for a purpose. So the disciples walked with God for roughly three years, but their lives weren't transformed until the crucifixion, right? Mm. Yes, knowing God impacted their lives, but their lives weren't transformed until he died and rose again. And the, the disciples were willing and they were loyal. And those were two characteristics I love but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough just to be willing to follow after God and to be, to be willing to listen to him. They had to let God change their lives. They, they, they had to let him change their mindset because they watched God do all these wonderful miracles and signs and all these great things, and they tried to replicate him, but they couldn't do it, right? Yeah. Be, be, before the, the, the resurrection moment, I don't remember any disciple going up and casting out demons. They, they had the desire to do these things, but they didn't have the power yet to do them. They didn't have that transformation moment. So we're going to talk about that transformation moment for a lot of them. And a lot of them, it's in, uh, in the, the book of Luke 24. And we're going to talk about the road to Emmaus and how their lives were impacted during this, this, this walk with God. So Luke 24, 6 says, uh, they go to, to see where Jesus is at. And it says, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember, he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of the sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. And they remembered that he said this, so they rushed back to the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb to look. Stopping, he peered in and saw the the empty linen wrappings. And he went home again, wondering what happened next. So they had spent time with Jesus, right? They had spent time with him. They heard him preach. They heard him tell these things were coming. But because they hadn't seen it with their own eyes yet, they didn't believe it. And pastor, what what do you think Peter expected when he went back and he went to to the tomb?
0: You know, it's... For us, for us being on this other side of it, knowing then that Peter uh, grasped grasps the, the fact that Jesus really did rise from the dead, um, I, I'd like to think that you know he was coming and expecting, wow, this is you know Jesus. What he said is is true, but I, I think because of of his reaction, because of his surprise when he when he got there, and still not fully understanding what Jesus meant when he had said that. He would have to die and that he would rise again. Um, it, it seems to be that, that all the disciples of Jesus, that they never really grasped a hold of what Jesus was saying. And that that for them, resurrection meant that one day there would be a resurrection. That one day that we would have a resurrected body. And so, uh, so the same thing for, for Jesus, that, that this is what Peter was expecting when he got there is that is that when i get to the tomb somebody stole his body i mean it's going to be an empty grave this is what they you know they told me when i get to the tomb that that it's empty um, but i you know i don't know for for him I, I feel like he was he was going there not knowing what really went down was was G, because he had just witnessed jesus just died mm-hmm. jesus was just crucified and so to really believe that, that Jesus was, was gone because He had resurrected from the dead already in that moment. Man, that's, um, I don't know that He had that faith as He was running to the tomb, but it soon became apparent yeah. that that was the case because Jesus met them. Eventually Jesus showed them and, and there was, there was the angels that were there that said, He's risen. I mean, this is, this is what the women were told. He is risen. And so now now it's a matter of faith. Now it's a matter of believing uh, and, and acting on, on that. Okay, could this possibly be true?
1: And this is, lots of people would say, okay, this is Peter's resurrection moment, right? Where he realized that God is who he said he was and the things he said he was going to do, he did. But I don't believe that to be the case because all he did was believe that God was capable of he didn't believe in himself that God had told him, you're able to do these things. Because he went there and he saw that God wasn't there and he believed that God had risen from the dead, but he didn't believe in himself. So he went back and he did his own thing. And I think that that's where a lot of us get stopped as we get to the point where we believe God is who he says he is. We believe in that, that transformation that he's capable of anything. And then he says, I've got something for you. And that's when our unbelief starts to kick in.
0: Right. So, So Jesus, so just playing out the story a little bit. Peter goes to the tomb, he he notices it's the tomb's empty. Um, maybe, maybe this is true. Maybe, maybe he did rise from the dead, and then it does become true for him that Jesus meets him, Jesus uh meets all the disciples in the house, he appears there just out of thin air, and uh and then just as easily just disappears and goes away after showing him his his wounds and his scars. But I, I love how you set that up because for Peter then he's saying. I know my failures. I'm the one who just denied you. I'm the one who just, uh, you know, denied the fact that I was one of your followers. When you're up there paying the price on, on the cross, you're hanging on the cross and I'm trying to run away. And so for him, he believes, okay, you are the Messiah. You were, you were able to do anything. But then what, like you said, what did he do? He went back and And then we see days later that Jesus finds Peter. What's he doing? He's out fishing. He's out on the boat living the life that he was living before Jesus ever found him and for himself going back. And so to have that transfer, to have that transformation moment for him, like, like I said, I don't believe it had truly happened or that resurrection moment for him. He saw Jesus Christ resurrected, but he didn't believe for himself yet that he could have a transformed life or that he could be forgiven or to, or to live in that power that Jesus
1: uh, wanted to give him. And so that's when Jesus meets him out of the boat. I loved it when he meets him out of the boat and, and he says, do you love me? He says, yes, I love you. Then feed my sheep. And he asked him that three different times. And he kept asking, well, if you love me, then do what I've called you to do. Fulfill your purpose. And that to me, is that's that's when we become transformed. Isn't it become when we come to the, the the altar and we get the Holy Ghost for the first time and and we get baptized? A lot of us will say I was transformed that day, but for most of us, that's not when we were transformed. I remember when I came back to church, I I was in shambles and I came to an altar and I prayed and I I got my joy back and it was an amazing moment. And when Pastor was asking us about our transformation moments, I'm like, that's my moment. And the God said, No, it wasn't. That's just the moment that you got your joy back. Your transformation moment came about two months later when I was up there praying and seeking the will of God and God started to speak things into me and saying, I have this plan for you. And the first time God said it, I, no, that's, that's not it. I remember distinctly, we were in a prayer meeting and God said, you're going to be the youth pastor of this church sometime. And I said, one, I'm too old and I've made too many mistakes. Eight years later, I was way older and it happened, (laughs) but but that was my transformation moment when I finally said, you know what, God, if that's your purpose for me, if, if you're going to put me back into ministry, if you're going to see all my doubts and all my failures and every mistake I had and say that there's, st- there's still something I can do with you, when we accept that and we say, okay, God, then change my mindset, change my direction, change who I am. That's when we're transformed walking with God.
0: That's that's when he becomes not just my Savior, but my Lord. Yes, There's a difference between being the Savior and the Lord. And, and you see um, these, these conversations towards the end, right before Jesus is crucified, uh, when Judas, he's talking to Judas, and Judas calls him, uh, you know, refers to him as his rabbi, uh, whereas the other disciples all refer to him as their Lord. And there's a difference between just a teacher and, and even post, uh, you know, after, to recognize him as my Savior and to put him as the Lord of my life. To be the Lord of my life says that you are in control. That God, not only did you save me from my sins, not only did you die on the cross for me, but now there are areas in me that that I need to relinquish to you. Right? Yeah. You have some. You have some things. Some areas in your life today that we need to relinquish to God. Yeah. You have. You have some things where where you are um, you're holding on to them desperately because it's the only thing that you feel grounds you. Some things that you know, maybe where you get affirmation from. The the, the sources of affirmation in our life sometimes um, are are not a, from from sources where it's abiding in Him, mm-hmm. and and when we abide in Him, you can get that. That's where our affirmation truly should come from, is from Jesus Christ. But there are, there are things sometimes that we we go searching for affirmation, and and He's saying, "Hey, I need a." i need to begin to transform your life in this in this particular area so that you are not getting your worth from the world but yes. you're getting your worth from me and we can i i can you know as a as a pastor we can um even just as the church we can get affirmation sometimes from a large crowd that's here but but truly it should come from how many lives are truly being transformed Amen. It's not about how many people are sitting in the seats in that moment. Although I want to see the seats full. I want to see, Amen. I want to see this place packed out, but I want to see lives transformed much more than that. Yes. I want to see people who are becoming disciples of Jesus and allowing God to change them through, through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, through, through the, that salvation moment. But beyond that, they are allowing Jesus to change what they care about and allowing Him to change the very uh, things that drive them, uh, in life. And so, that's really what, where, like you said, transformation happens. It's not just in that salvation moment. It's, it's beyond that.
1: So with the disciples, they had their own encounter. We'll get back to the road uh, to Emmaus. But I love how God revealed himself to them. They had walked with God. They understood his teaching. They, they understood the scriptures. But he used the scriptures and the word of God to reveal himself in a way that was undeniable. And if we're going to get to the point where we're going to walk with God, then we've got to dig into his word, right? right. We've got to dig into the Scriptures to the point where God can, can give us a point of reference to go back to and say, this is who I am, and this is how I'm working in your situation. Right. Read the yeah, if you want to do that.
0: All right, I'm going to read uh, this, this passage on this road to Emmaus. Um, I don't know if everybody's familiar with this, but this uh, happens post-resurrection. Uh, we're going to go to Luke chapter 24. Beginning in verse thirteen it says that behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, two of them speaking of two disciples of Jesus, not two of the twelve but uh, but two people, two followers of Jesus, He says, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs, and they talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they were commun- uh, while they communed together and they reasoned. Jesus himself drew near and he went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. So there is in this moment, a, uh, even though these men were followers of Jesus, um, uh, supernaturally, there was this, uh, this, this, uh, block. They didn't recognize Jesus when he was coming to them, uh, in this conversation. And so uh Jesus he he blocked their vision or he, he made it not so that they didn't recognize who he was. Verse seventeen. And he said to them, What manner of communications are these that they have one to another as you walk and are sad? Notices these two uh, who are walking to Emmaus, they're sad. Uh, and they one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, hast not uh hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher. And they found it even so, as the women had said. But him they saw not. And he said, then he said to them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his Glory, And at the beginning, at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So Jesus begins talking to them, diving into the scriptures, all these prophecies that are leading up to his ministry. And they drew nigh unto the village, and whither they went, and he made as though they would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide uh, with us, for it is toward evening. And the day is far spent, and he went in, and he tarried with them. It came to pass, as he sat at bread, and blessed it, and break it, and gave to them, all of a sudden, their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and then he vanished out of their sight, and notice what they said, after being with Jesus on this walk, this journey to Emmaus, after Jesus having talked to them about the scriptures, uh, and, and finally they realized who he was, they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us, while he talked with us by the way, and he opened to us the scripture, they had this moment for themselves that's like wow our hearts were so alive when jesus was speaking to us when he was here talking to us there was just something that was so alive and then uh continue on verse 33 and within the hour they were on their way back to jerusalem and they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said the lord has really risen the Lord is risen indeed, and He has appeared to Simon Peter. so this road to Emmaus is uh, you know this this really peculiar thing that that happens as I, as I, you know it 's peculiar to me that Jesus would veil himself uh, and that he would not make himself known to his disciples but i I feel like there's there 's something that we can really glean from these scriptures about what it's like to just be with Jesus and not really even know who he is. They're they're coming into contact with Jesus like it's the first time for them. This is as if it's the very first time that they've been with Jesus. It's, it's not. They've been with him before. But for them in this moment, they didn't realize it's him. And yet, they themselves were getting so excited when Jesus is talking to them. They are getting so uh, just like... Pumped up about wow, the scriptures being opened up to us, and our, our hearts are being opened up to us about these things that are pointing to Jesus. And then, for them to all of a sudden realize, huh? you're Jesus. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you're the one that's, that's right here with us right now." And then Jesus, he, he disappeared in that moment. For them. For them, this is such a powerful moment that it erases all doubts in their minds of who Jesus really was. This for them became something that was an experience that they would never forget. It's not just hearing the story from somebody else. It's one thing to have Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene run back to them where they were at in the house hiding away and for Mary to come back and say, the tomb's empty. And then have the, the other Mary and, uh, and, and the other uh, women who were there at the tomb to come back and say, the tomb is empty. And there were, there were angels that appeared to us that said that Jesus is risen, just like he said. It's one thing to hear it from somebody else. It's another thing for them to experience it themselves.
1: I love God. He let them talk amongst themselves and try to figure it out on their own. He just sat back and listened for a little bit. And then he started using Scripture. To reveal himself to them, right? Because yeah. sometimes God will let us just, just talk and try to figure things out on our own and he'll play scripture into our minds. He'll put, he'll put thoughts into our minds trying to get us to the point of revelation, but he, but he's going to let us get there on our own. Yeah. And that's what he was doing. He, n- at no point did he get up and say, you fools, I'm Jesus. Yeah. No, he says, you fools, you're talking about scriptures and you're not even believing them. Oh, come on. He challenged them to accept what they already knew to be true. And what I love is, 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 It said it was late in the hour, right? That they asked Jesus to come in because it was late and you don't need to journey anymore. But the moment they had a revelation of who Jesus was, it didn't matter the time of night anymore. They journeyed that seven hours back to Jerusalem, that three-hour-long trek back to, to find the disciples to say, Listen, we know it's true. Right. When you get a revelation of who God is and what he's capable of, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, right? He turns your world upside down. And he says the only thing that you need to do is is go out and share the gospel and to tell people who I am, to be that witness. Amen. And for some of us, it's been so long since our resurrection moment that we forget that that's what he's called us to do. Right. Well, it's not convenient for me to witness right now. It's not convenient for me to go do these things. Are we really walking a transformed life with God?
0: I think that that part of that is so powerful to see their reaction after uh, after that revelation of who Jesus was, after that moment of being with him, for them, like you said, it's late at night, and to immediately say, "We've got to go and tell somebody about this. We have to go," and and they made that journey back. Um, there's a there's a scripture uh, in John chapter eight, and for our media back there, I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff right now. Um, so John chapter 8, verse 31, uh, Jesus, he's speaking to the Jews here, and he's, he said to them, let's uh, so, so, read scripture in John eight, thirty one, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. So these Jews believed on him. If you continue in my word, then are you my, my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So I want to I just want to dissect this this scripture just a little bit and dive into it. Because what Jesus is talking about here is this belief in him and uh, what that ought to lead to in us. He says uh, to these Jews which believed on him. So they believed on him already. This belief, it comes from this encounter. If you look at these these disciples who are on that road to Emmaus, they believed on him because of how the scripture was presented, but then also because they had just spent these three hours with him on this road, on this journey to Emmaus. And that encounter with Jesus, it caused something in them to, to, uh, to be able to speak to somebody else, not just from the point of scripture, yeah. but from the point, but from the point of encounter. the point of a moment that they had had with jesus their belief wasn't just coming from what somebody else said their belief was coming from something that they themselves had experienced and so for them he says you guys you, you believe on me but now when you believe on me i want you to continue in my word that word continue in my word um That's that this word abide or do not let go of my word. He says, when you have this encounter with me, I want you to abide. I want you to embrace the very things that you believe about me from that encounter. Um, A couple of weeks ago, we did a a fruit to root conversation um, where we we talked about how there are certain fruits in our life that uh, ought not be there. Um, We talked about. Uh, josh was um, opening up for himself you know some of this the self doubt or this this feeling of of being inadequate in some areas and and what that's really you know that fruit is saying about god where that fruit where that root is 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 in a is you know it's a lie about who god really is but when we embrace the truth of who god is um then there's this this encounter of of realizing that i've been set free yeah. okay we talked about being set free through the truth of, of who he is in this encounter with God is more than enough. That God, that I am more than enough in his, in his eyes. And um, we have, through this, this encounter. And then he says, I want you to abide in that. You believe. So what do you believe about God? From an experience that you've had, what do you believe about God? Because it's through your experiences that you can truly get to know God. Unless you've gone through the trial, how do you really know God as the deliverer? Mm -hmm. Unless you've felt the pain, how can you really know God as the healer of your pain? Unless you have been lost, how can you know God as the one who will redeem you and set you free? And, and, or bring, and bring you in. Unless, right? Unless you have, unless your heart has been broken, how can you really truly know God as the one who is, the, is a heart mender, who can come in and he can, he can heal a broken heart? It's, it's those encounters that you truly believe God. And what, what he says is, I, I want you, from that belief, from those encounters with me, embrace who I am embrace me. And through that, you see, uh, you, you see God in a brand new light through that. You see the transformation begin to happen in you and your beliefs are not just rooted in what somebody else told you. Your beliefs are not just even rooted in, in, in scripture. Although this is what it, this is the foundation of it, but it's not just about scripture telling me but it's about scripture becoming alive in me. Yes, that's it's about the living word, not just the written word, but the living word. Where scripture tells you about who God is, but now I've had an encounter with him, and through that encounter with him, now he's become alive in me, and now I can live a transformed life because of the encounter that I've had with him and I embrace the kingdom values I embrace the values of him as my savior I embrace the encounter of him as my redeemer I embrace the the you know the moment that I had with him it led me to a place where I can live a brand new life we see this word that uh, comes up all through uh, all through the New Testament so it, it, we don't see it in our English word our English text there's a Greek word, anastrophe, um, that uh, means, it means the, uh, here, let me get the definition here. It means the manner of life, the conduct or behavior that we have leading to a new kind of living. A new kind of living. And uh, as we see this uh, all through the New Testament, this word, It's talking about the new kind of living, an anastrophe life, the transformed life that we have after having an experience with God. And so when I go back to what I brought up earlier about us, God hasn't called us to be members of a church. He's called us to be transformed disciples of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's all about an anastrophe moment where you have had an encounter with Jesus. And it changes who you are. And you have different things that you care about now. You have a different way of life, a different viewpoint of who he is because of the experience that you've had with him.
1: So in that scripture, it said, continue in my word. And so many times we think that just means I just have to dig into the word of God and that's all. And we have to because there are times the enemy is going to come and try to put doubt in your mind. And you need to use this word of God and, and combat it against it. But when the examples he's given with the disciples, and if you go on with, with the conversion of Saul, is it's also the word that God had for them, yeah. right? So it wasn't just enough to believe in the word, what the book was, but when God said, if you continue in my word, so that means when I call you to do something, if you continue in it, then you're my disciple. Yeah. But if you just read my word and you're ignoring my voice, then where are we at? We're not, we're not transformed yet. So I, I, it's so easy to say, well, I'm digging into this word, I'm digging into this word, but... Are we letting Him talk to us? Are we letting Him guide us? Are we walking with Him that way and and having that transformation?
0: You know, there's... I want to kind of lay in this conversation as we're coming to a close here with the fact of, as a disciple, as a disciple of Christ, who's had this transformed moment, that is such a, a powerful thing for us to experience. But... It was never meant to be just something for me to experience. It was meant for me to be able to go and to share this with somebody else. And to make disciples. As a disciple, it is my calling, it is my uh, duty to also go and make disciples. Sharing those stories. Sharing the stories of, of my transformation. Telling about what God has done for me. Okay, so I want to look at at our our culture that we are living in today, and um, actually, first, first, maybe uh, rewind a little bit. And the the culture of the twentieth century here in America was a very Christian centered culture. And yeah. the twentieth century, is very. Uh, I understand. You know, we had. Um, we had the, you know, kind of the seventies began to really kind of change um, some of this this conversation. But uh, but as uh, as the majority of the twentieth century, we see a mostly Christian culture that you could sit down with somebody, um, a uh, even an unbeliever, even somebody who did not come to church. Um, uh, it, they, they at least, uh, for the most part, had a. Uh, Foundational knowledge of of the Bible and accepted the Bible as um, as something that uh, was true, and so you could sit down with somebody and you could have a Bible study with them, and you could have a theological um, you know dissertation that you you go through this scripture and that scripture and that scripture and appeal to their logic, appeal to them through scripture and 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 tell them through informational means. About who Jesus is, and and you might have somebody who they would cling to Jesus, and, and, and you know uh, through that information that is shared with them. Today we live in a post-Christian world. It's not to say that there are not you know we still live here in northeast Indiana in a very um, conservative for the most part yeah. place where you you're still going to have people with a, a basic Bible knowledge for the most part, but that's becoming less and less um, you know the case today it's not just about sharing information teaching a Bible study to somebody today it's about living it out yeah. and not informational but rather incarnational for us to to share this gospel not through information but through the incarnation of him in us the incarnation is talking of Christ in me, yes. Christ in me, the incarnation. OK, so an incarnational conversation uh, looks less like sitting down and teaching a, a Bible study and sharing the information, but in more like sharing my transformation story of what he did for me mm-hmm. and how he changed me. And that doesn't negate the scripture. I, the scripture is the foundation of it all. Uh, you point to the scripture as the source of everything, but it's all about what did he do for me? And, yes. and people are much more willing today to accept a transformation story or a, a personal story than they are just sharing the information of, of what somebody else did or, or what scripture might
1: say. We live in the information age now where if I want to know something about a topic, I go on Google and I'll find out everything I need to know. So it's different. It used to be if people were hungry and they wanted to know about God, then they would find a Christian they would talk to him. Now, if they're hungry, they're like, well, I can teach myself. But when they see something different and new, then that's what gets their attention, right? It's not that you can quote so many scriptures. And I think that's what intimidates so many of us about doing a Bible study is, well, I'm not a biblical scholar. You don't need to be. You just need to be able to be real and to to share your testimony and talk about the goodness of God, and God's going to direct it. We have to change our mindset on on how we're going to reach people. Let's stop talking at people and
0: start talking with people. Absolutely. I want to have conversations with people. I don't want to talk to somebody. I'm not, it's not about proving. It's about discovering who God is. This is, this is my walk. This is my journey. And I, I want you to know that this is where God is still transforming areas in my life, that this is where he's still changing me. And, and, and I know that God wants to do the same in you, that God wants to change your life as well. And that 's what walking a transformed life is all about that 's what the experience of Jesus, why it 's so important is that is that we are able to then not just for myself experience it, but I can share this with somebody else and this is what the world wants. This is what the world is is dying for today is a real life story i was I was in my office uh, before church, and we were uh, talking talking this over, uh, and I said this picture of shopping on Amazon, or shopping online, and, and what do you do? You, you might find a product, you read the description of the product that you want. It's like, I think this is exactly the very thing that I need. But before I buy that, what am I going to do? I'm going to go and read the reviews. I'm going to go read the reviews. Okay, what does this person have to say about it? Oh, does this person trust, is this per, has this person's life been changed? By that milk frother that they bought. And we have something that is so much more transformative than that. And they want to hear your story. They want to hear your story about how Jesus is transforming your life. Amen. We Every single one of us in here has a story to tell. And it doesn't have to go back 20 years. It could go back 20 minutes. About how I had this thought that was captured, you know, that had me bound and Jesus transformed me and, and he set me free from that. And that's a transformation story of what he's doing in me, in me even today, right now. And so every single one of us, we still have these moments where God is setting, setting us free. Amen. If not, I want to encourage you to, I, I want to encourage you to, to ask God, why is that? God, why, why haven't I experienced any change lately? And I can tell you, it's not going to be because of Him, because He's, He's present. But He'll draw you in. When you begin to ask those questions, it's, it's though, it's in that moment that God begins to draw you in. And He'll say, let me, let me come close. Let me examine those parts of you that, that you've closed up. I want to be like David. Where David said, the deepest recesses of my heart, God, you have access to them right now. Purify me. Change me, God. Transform me. Amen. We're going to close this out here this morning. And we have our uh, class Sunday school classes that are coming in. And you can just keep playing. We're not going to sing here today. But I, I just, I'm so thankful for what God is doing. Amen. I'm so thankful for... For what God has done in my life, Amen. Do you have a story for yourself? Do you have a story for what God has done? Amen. God is good. God is so good. I want to say it's so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and I'm glad that you have joined us, Amen. And uh, now that. He's